Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you remember Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, how it begins with that weird Satan figure, that eerie looking Satan figure there in the Garden of Gethsemane who's staring at Jesus while he's praying in his agony. And this Satan figure sends this snake crawling on the ground toward Jesus to attack Christ. And at the last minute, Jesus steps on it and destroys the snake. I don't remember reading about that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and uh, I don't think we're going to hear about that in the Good Friday liturgy either. Uh, so it's not explicitly there in Scripture, but uh, Mel Gibson, you know, he's taking artistic license here. But I have to tell you, I, I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot because even though it's not explicit in Scripture, I, I think what what he's portraying in this scene is expressing something that we do find in Scripture, that the Scriptures are pointing to how there is a severe, fierce enemy behind the scenes here. It, it, the Scriptures, especially Luke's Gospel, is drawing attention to the fact that, yes, you have the Pharisees and the chief priests conspiring together against Jesus, but they're not the ultimate bad guys. They're instruments of somebody else lurking in the background. We might think of Judas as the real bad guy in the story. And, and again, he's he's an accomplice in all this, and he does some really bad things. We might think of Pilate or Caiaphas as playing a bad role, and they do. But behind all that, there is a fiercer opponent, and that is the devil. The devil is mounting his final attack his most severe attack on Jesus here in his passion. And there's a lot we can learn from what the devil does and how Jesus responds to this temptation and responds to the attack. So we're going to learn a lot today in today's podcast on how the devil works and ultimately how we can imitate Jesus and fight our own spiritual battles, especially in the midst of Lent. You know, we're a couple weeks in, we, we had our plan, we had our devotions, our sacrifices. How's it going for you? You know, the devil likes to rattle us, likes to get us to compromise, likes to get us to, to kind of lose track of what Lent is all about. And the devil's trying to rattle us all throughout our lives. Let's respond like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. And I've been doing a lot of these virtual events with various small groups, parishes, and dioceses around the country. And I want to give a shout out to the Diocese of Gary, Indiana, my hometown diocese. I grew up in in, in that part of the, the country, outside of Chicago in the Diocese of Gary. It was a blessing to be with many of the parish leaders and volunteers there. Uh, a shout out to St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Lake Tahoe. Uh, St. Thomas the Apostle Parish in Lenoir City, Tennessee, the Couples Group in Toronto, the St. Mary's Lenten Mission in Berea, Ohio, right outside of Cleveland there, and the Family Catechesis Group in Kitchener, Ontario. I want to give a, a very warm and special shout out to my friends in McKinney, Texas, just north of Dallas. You all know uh, how the people in Texas have been suffering so much with the cold and the lack of power and water, and they're, they're still going through a lot and they need our prayers. I was blessed to be with them just as it was all starting to unfold. I was doing a virtual kind of Lent, pre-Lenten parish mission for their parish there, and uh, I know a number of you are, are listeners of the show, and just want you to know, I, we've been praying for you, and I'm going to ask all the listeners, if you can please pray for the folks in McKinney and really all over Texas. Uh, it was in the days leading up to Ash Wednesday, 
Wednesday. So that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we were doing this virtual parish mission. And on the final day, I, I remember just on my screen, I'm seeing all so many of the participants, all of a sudden their lights went out in the background and they're lighting candles and getting flashlights out. I think you all must have been listening or watching on your phones. God bless you for for hanging in there in the parish mission. But even more than that, just God bless you with with all that you're going through. Be assured of my prayers and all the listeners here. Let's Let's pray for the folks in Texas. Uh, finally, if anyone's in the D.C. area, I'm coming your way into the Arlington Diocese. This week, I'm going to be at St. Timothy's Parish in Chantilly on Friday, March 5th. I'll be doing a talk for, for parents and parish leaders uh, on family life and this culture. On I think it's at 4 o'clock uh, at the parish, uh, Chantilly, and at St. Timothy's Parish, Friday, March 5th. And then I'm going to be doing um, a larger uh, event for uh, just the parishioners open to the public can come. Uh, I know that they're all going to do it safely, socially distant and all that. Uh, but I'll be there at seven o'clock at night on this Friday, March 5th, to do a talk to deep dive into Lent. And then I'm blessed to speak at the men's conference upcoming this Saturday. Well, let's go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want to tell you a story about how I told a story to my children a few years ago. Uh, I wanted to kind of get them into the Lenten story. And so I was telling my little children about a dramatic scene where there were armed men coming at night to go look for somebody they were trying to capture. And they came with torches and lanterns and swords and clubs. There were soldiers, police, captains. They were seeking to capture this man by surprise. They had a spy. And the spy was leading them to this man's hiding place. And when they finally got there, there was resistance. A sword was drawn. There was a blow to the head. An ear was cut off. And the man was seized. He was arrested. He was bound and then led off for trial in Jerusalem, where he was going to be condemned to death. And my little girls were looking at me with big eyes. Ooh, what's that about, Daddy? <laughs> and I know you all know what that's about. That's the story of Jesus and his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. But they really drew them into the story that way, so much so that I, I think I alarmed my little daughter, Kiara, who I think was only three or four at the time. I was getting ready to leave to go to Israel to lead a, a Holy Land pilgrimage. And the night before, I was packing up, and she asked me where I'm going. I told her I was going to Jerusalem, and then her eyes got big again. And she had this look of great concern. She goes, Dad, are you going to be okay going to Jerusalem? Is it okay there? She was worried I was going to be arrested, I think. <laughs> so, uh, but but I want to I want to bring you into that scene uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane, and as I mentioned, the it's really the devil behind the scene that's doing the the dark work here, and he's using the Pharisees, the chief priests, Judas, Pilate, and everybody else in the Passion story. They're they're the instruments of this darker force that's working there. Where do we get this idea, though, that Satan is mounting his attack? Again, we don't read about the devil showing up in the Garden of Gethsemane, at least explicitly. Well, if you remember in the podcast I did leading up to Lent, uh, right there before Ash Wednesday, I, I was talking about Jesus's three temptations in the desert. And I mentioned that the devil's tempting him these three times, and Jesus resists the temptation, and then the devil goes away. But it's Luke's gospel that makes that interesting point that the devil doesn't go away forever. Uh, the, uh, Luke's gospel is hinting that the devil's going to strike again. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it tells us that after the third temptation, 
the devil went away, quote, until the opportune time. Until the opportune time. In other words, the devil, you know, it's not as if he just, you know, tempts us once and then, oh, we resisted, so he will never tempt us again. He tempted Jesus three times, and he's going to keep coming back at Jesus. And, and we can expect the same thing. If the devil continued to attack Christ, he's going to continue to go after us. Uh, and so the devil's waiting for the opportune time to strike again. Now, when is that opportune time? Well, during the public ministry, I think we could see that there's little skirmishes, right? It's not the big all-out battle just yet, but there's some intense skirmishes. You see Jesus fighting the powers of darkness. He He's forgiving people's sin. You know, the devil wants us to sin, and Jesus is, is for releasing people from their sins. Uh, he raises the dead. The devil comes to bring us, to separate us from God, to, to bring—he was the one that tempted Adam and Eve and brought death into this world. Uh, and so uh, Jesus, by raising the dead, is he's overcoming the powers of darkness. Uh, we see Jesus performing exorcisms. He's expelling the demons. All of this is kind of going after the, the kingdom of darkness as the kingdom of light is shining throughout Galilee. Well, when we get to the climax of the story in Luke's gospel, it's interesting. If you take a look at what happens in Luke 22, there's multiple mentions of Satan all of a sudden. Satan is on the move. Satan is mounting his attack. You get the sense in Luke 22, verses 3 and 4, it tells us that Satan entered Judas. This is when Judas starts putting it all together and starts going, all right, I'm going to go you know, betray Jesus. He's going to start to work with the chief priest to betray Christ. Same thing in Luke twenty two thirty one. 31, during the Last Supper, Jesus says to the apostles, Satan demands to have you all to sift you like wheat. So you get the sense that Satan is attacking Judas, he's, he's tempting Judas, he's now picking off the disciples one by one, you're getting a sense, and then finally, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they come to arrest Jesus, you know, you have Judas there, you have leaders of the Pharisees and the chief priests, and then there are soldiers there. Jesus sees through this and sees the real enemy behind all of them, all of these, this big crowd coming out to arrest him. He knows who the real enemy. He says, this is your hour, the power of darkness. It's, in other words, in the Bible, the power of darkness is, is linked with the power of Satan. You, you can read about that in Acts the Apostles, chapter 26, verse 18, makes that clear. So when Jesus is arrested, he's claiming that it's the, it's the hour of darkness, which is the, the hour of the power of darkness. In other words, it's Satan that is, that is mounting this final attack. So when we see Jesus betrayed, when we see him condemned, when we see him scourged, and we see him mocked and crucified— this isn't just a story about a really good man that was treated poorly by his friends and by his enemies. No, no. This is the cosmic showdown. This is the climactic battle between good and evil, between light and darkness. The opportune time has come. The devil is mounting his final attack. Now, when I was a kid and I would come to this scene you know, every Good Friday we'd hear about this, like Jesus is there in the garden, Judas is sneaking out, you know, and going to go find the chief priest to arrest Jesus, and they're coming with the torches. I remember as a kid thinking, oh, poor Jesus, he doesn't know. He, he's he's going to be arrested. He should just run. He should get out of there. You know, poor Jesus. But it, it was later in life, in, in my graduate studies, coming to look at this scene at a deeper level, 
Jesus knows everything that's happening here. He's the one in control of this whole situation. <laughs> you know, he, he's not caught by surprise. He's God. In fact, you know, when he's finishing his prayer, he turns to the apostles and he says, rise, my betrayer is at hand. I mean, he knows that, that Judas is coming. And then when the soldiers show up, Jesus actually, he doesn't run away from them. He goes toward them. He, he rises and, and, and goes toward them. And he says, whom do you seek? Uh, that doesn't sound like a fugitive on the run or someone caught by surprise. No, Jesus is going and marching out to meet the people that are coming to arrest him. And then it reminds me of what Jesus had said earlier in his uh, in his ministry in Jerusalem. He said in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, how he was going to be the good shepherd and lay down his life for his sheep. And he says, quote, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. No one's going to take Christ's life. No one's going to arrest Jesus by surprise. No one's going to take him away without his will. He's the one in charge. And so even though the power of darkness is attacking, Jesus is going to respond. He's going to respond powerfully here. He goes out and meets this head on. He knows that it's, it's, it's the devil behind the scene. And, and when, they, when he asks them, whom do you seek? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. And then Jesus says, I am he. And if you read John 18, he uses that expression three times. He says, I am he. And as soon as he says these words, bam, all of the people turn back and they fall to the ground. This is intense. What's going on here? Well, you may know from scripture that the language Jesus just used, I am, that was the holy name of God <laughs> revealed to Moses at the burning bush. Do you remember that story in Exodus 3, 14? Uh, Jesus, uh, the, when God reveals his name to Moses at the burning bush, it's I am Yahweh, I am who am. And, and, and it's a subtle reference, but Jesus is kind of like taking that divine name. He, he's calling on that name. He's using that name. He's applying it to himself. And as soon as he speaks that divine name, the, the people turn back, they fall to the ground. It's like the power of God's holy name. Jesus is the one in charge of this scene, and, and the powers of darkness are floored. Now, that's the first practical point I want us to take away, is that when we face temptation, when we faced moments when we're either discouraged, or maybe we're, we're, we're tempted to do something we shouldn't do, we're tempted to be lazy, tempted to lose our temper, we want to call on God's name call on the name of Jesus. Now, uh, we're, not, we're not taking the divine name to ourselves, but we're calling on God's name. We're saying, God, help me. Jesus, help me. Father, but especially the holy name of Jesus, right? Uh, the Bible tells us how powerful that name is, that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. And that's what happened this day, right? Jesus calls on this divine name. He applies the divine name to himself in his case, and they go to the ground, right? When we call on God's name, it's so powerful. I know in times in my life when maybe I'm scared about something, you know, worried about a certain situation, when I have my wits about me and I'm really living as a good Christian, I'll just say Jesus's name in my heart. Maybe I whisper it, Jesus. I, I turn to his name. I mean, I want to get to a chapel or something if I can when I really need to pray for something urgently, but to, to be able to just turn to his name, moments when I'm 
tempted. Tempted to fall into a sin that I've been struggling with and I I don't want to fall into the sin again. To say Jesus, to call on his name. Moments when kind of clouds of discouragement can fill my mind, fill my heart. I can be weighed down going, oh, this is going to be so hard or I'm really worried about this situation. I can call on Jesus's name. And I, I, I've seen moments where the, those clouds just dissipate and, and, and my heart rises again. I feel greater light in my soul because I know I'm being spiritually attacked many times in life. And this is just the, the normal stuff of ordinary Christian discipleship. The devil doesn't want us to follow Jesus closely. So he'll use discouragement. He'll use fear. He'll use temptations to sin. He'll use moments of uncertainty when we're not sure what to do to kind of get us to be, be worried. And, and, and we can call on Jesus. Jesus, show me what to do. To call on his name. Let's make those demons around us fall to the ground by calling on the name of Jesus, just like they fell to the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane, those soldiers and the chief priests and the Pharisees did. Now, there's two other things that we learn about and I want to draw our attention to. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane tells the disciples what they should have done. Now, they they didn't quite do this, right? But he tells them to watch and to pray. And we know they weren't as faithful to prayer because they fell asleep. We know that they weren't really watching. They all abandon him there in the Garden of Gethsemane. They all go running away. But what does that really mean to watch and to pray? First of all, that language to watch. Jesus says watch in Mark 14, 38. It, it, the, the word there doesn't mean like a one-time look, like, hey, take a look. No, it's, it means keep watching, stay watching a continued watching. It's a call to be continually on watch. You know, I think about, you know, a, a, a security guard or a soldier even, you know, a soldier on guard, you know, watching, keep watching. It implies vigilance. I think there's a second key point that we need if we're going to resist the temptations of the devil. We have to keep watching, not just watch every once in a while, not just Keep watch, you know, avoid, you know, temptation when we're in a good mood, <laughs> when we're feeling good about life or when we're with, other, or we're with our fellow Christian friends. No, no, no. We need to constantly be on guard. We can never let our guard down. This implies a kind of vigilance, a, a spiritual alertness. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be sober and alert. The devil is a prowling lion seeking to devour you. I mean, it's kind of a scary image. I mean, if I just told you this, there's a lion that follows you everywhere you go. So when you get out of your car at the grocery store, watch out. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're going for a walk in your neighborhood, watch out. When you go to the coffee house, when you stop at the chapel, watch out. <laughs> if you'd imagine there's some lion there, you know, uh, that'd be pretty scary. But that image, that's that's the image the Bible uses, First Peter 5, 8, is that the devil's constantly looking for opportunities to get us to fall to get us to trip up. And we have to be constantly vigilant. We can never let our guard down. That's why it's so important to be Christians who stay on task, whatever we're supposed to do, to continually fulfill our responsibilities, our commitments, be men and women that fulfill our commitments at work. We're not just chatting when we should be doing work. We're not just kind of you know checking the sports score when we should be fulfilling our obligations at work. Those are little, when we're not faithful to our commitments and our responsibilities, the devil can kind of start to 
to come in. That lion starts to be able to get a little closer to us. And at home, are we, are we faithful to fulfilling our commitments to our spouse, to our children, the work that needs to be done in the kitchen, in the yard, in the, around the house, taking care of the little ones? Am I looking on my phone? Am I checking email? Am I on social media? Or am I fulfilling my responsibilities? You know, we can never let our guard down. We want to be men and women that are, are always on guard. And if we're, if we're binge watching certain shows or we're just staying up really late at night and, and, and looking on social media and we just keep clicking and clicking, you know, those are the moments the devil can get in. He can put thoughts in our heads, images in our heads, temptations within our souls. You know, we, we want to never let our guard down. Let's be men and women that fulfill our commitments. We stay on task in what we're doing. We're, we, we realize that the devil's a prowling lion and he's seeking to devour us. We must keep watch. That's what Jesus reminded us in Mark 14, verse 38. Keep watching. Keep vigilance. Never let your guard down. Last point really quick here. He goes on to say, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Mark 14, 38. What is this all about? You know, this is what he told the disciples. You know, we're all going to be tempted. You know, in this fallen world, the devil's a prowling lion. He's going to continue to try to tempt us. But let's pray that we don't give in to the temptation. That's a beautiful thing to do. Do you ever do that? Like right now, maybe you're feeling really peaceful, but you know that you're tempted to get mad at your spouse about something. There's something you always get mad at and you just need to let it go. Cut her some slack. Cut him some slack. (laughs) Be more patient. Be more gentle. Or maybe you know you tend to react a certain way when something happens in the house or something happens, a friend says something. You know, Right now, it's not bothering you, so things are going really well. But you know your weakness. You know that when this situation comes up, when your spouse says this or your child does this or your coworker forgets this, <laughs> whatever that is, you know these things that tend to rattle you. Right now, you might be peaceful and things are good, but remember, keep watch and pray that you don't enter into the temptation. Just turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I know that I'm weak. I know right now I'm not being tempted, but I know I'll be tempted again. And I ask you, help me not to enter into the temptation the next time that happens. Help me to remember. Help me to, to, to have the grace in that moment, Jesus, and to respond to those graces in that moment of temptation, which I know is going to come again. One last thing here, Pope Benedict says that with this, this idea, you know, praying not to enter into temptation, we pray this in the Our Father. He says, a beautiful thing we should do is just humbly say, Lord, I know I'm going to be tested, but I pray I'm never tested beyond my strength. I know how weak I am. I know how much I can easily just give in to temptation. I can I can fall into these sins over and over again, Lord. I, I pray that you don't, you know, I know I need to be tested. I know it's going to happen, but don't allow me. Please, I beg you, Jesus, don't allow me to be tempted beyond my strength. We're humbly putting ourselves in the Father's hands. I think God just loves it when we're just honest with him. We just come to him as we really are. We know I'm weak right now, Lord. I, I know like maybe I'm not tempted right now, but I know I'm going to be. So help me when that happens. He really loves it when we just come to him honest and humble, expressing our need, expressing how much we need to rely on him. So those are three lessons we can take away from the garden. Call on Jesus's name. Next time you you face any temptation, call on the divine name of Jesus. It's powerful. Keep watch, keep vigilant. 
Don't allow yourself to fall into laziness or don't try to say, oh, I just need a selfish moment right now, or it's okay if I eat this much right now, or I just, I, you know, I've been working really hard so I can spend a couple hours on social media tonight. Like that, that's the devil just wanting to get you off your game and he'll get, he'll get deeper temptations at you if you, if you, if you're not keeping vigilance, keeping watch. And then always pray, pray that you don't enter into the temptation. Ask for Jesus's help. Let him know how much you need him. Thanks for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed this, you know, I want to share with you one thing that could be interesting for you here in this uh, Lenten season. I have a video series called No Greater Love with Ascension Press that was filmed in Jerusalem. And a lot of what I'm sharing here is from that video series. You could check it out at ascensionpress.com and you could stream it from your own home. You could watch it on your phone. You could watch it with your family. Uh, But you can see the Garden of Gethsemane, see where Jesus's temptations took place. You could see where he was crucified on Calvary. It's so beautiful. It had the, the visuals in Jerusalem of these dramatic scenes. We do all this biblical teaching, but it's on location right at the sites of Christ's passion. So go to ascensionpress.com. You can check it out and stream it right there for yourself or for your family and pray for me. I'll be praying for you this Lent. Thanks so much and God bless.